Okay, testing one, two, three. All right, good morning. This is Mike, and you are listening to Driving Theology. Yay! Yep, on my work, on my work, on my way to work as usual, and unfortunately, running late. Uh, not too late. Not too late. Could be a lot worse. I'm just realizing that I have zero to drink in this car. It would be nice to remember to get something to drink, but oh well. Uh, turn on the air conditioner a little bit today. It's kind of hot. So it's, uh, what day is today? June 16th, uh, which is the day between my wife's birthday and our anniversary. Right in between. So tomorrow is my... 32nd wedding anniversary. So we got married in 1989. And uh, we were just pups, basically. And uh, yeah. So. Oh, this should be going the other way. Oh, well. I'm not running that late. So. Yeah, on the way to uh, work as usual. Had a nice chat with chat with my old uh, college friend Scott Langdon this morning. Uh, he is a, an actor in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, and he uh, uh, does theater, uh, mostly musical theater, um, but he's done quite a few different things here and there. Um, yeah. Anyway, they're uh, they're having some some interesting things happening at the uh, in conjunction with the theater uh, and the possible protest that's gonna that's gonna happen uh, at the theater that he works at. Um. And uh, yeah, we just kind of uh, I'm gonna be paying attention to that situation and see how that goes. It's kind of interesting. Um, and it kind of highlights that sometimes we get in situations where there are no easy ways out. There is no easy answer. That that you can have, you can live by good principles, and sometimes those principles uh, can come up against one another, right? Um, and that's something that does happen from time to time. Um, for example, uh, you know, um, you may have a principle of hard work and being a, a good employee uh, and one of being loyal to your company. Uh, and then you may also be a person who believes in uh, equality equity and human rights uh, and and those things could come in conflict you know for example uh, my father worked at Ford Motor Company and uh, I think he was he's a pretty loyal Ford person has been most of his life 
um, more or less, you know, not, not, a, not a complete Ford freak, but, but more or less, you know, he's, um, he, he supported the brand that he worked for. You know, we find out that, for example, you know, Henry Ford or somebody else may, you know, may have been racist or something like that. That kind of changes, um, it, it brings you in conflict, right? It brings your loyalties in conflict with one another. Uh, and it's perfectly good to be loyal, uh, and it's perfectly good to uh, not support uh, racists. <coughs> uh, and so those, those things can come con conflict. Um, and when it has to do with your, your livelihood, right, the way that you make money, the way that you put food on your table, the way that you support your family, uh, of course, that, um, that makes everything even more complicated. It's the same, it's the same kind of a conflict I don't know if it's the same or not. I guess I want to talk through it and see. So it's the same way that I see with uh, paid clergy, right? Uh, professional uh, priests, speaker, uh, uh, preachers, priests, ministers, pastors. Um, there may be a time for you to speak up against the denomination that you have loyally supported and who has paid your salary for many years, right? There may become a time. There may come a time when uh, they are. Uh, some of their misdeeds are brought into the light, and you have to make a decision, right? You have to decide. Well, uh, do I stay loyal to to this uh, church or this denomination? even when they're so obviously wrong in this, in this situation? Or do I call them out? Uh, do I speak out against them and risk losing uh, the way that I feed my family, right? the way that I make my livelihood? These are very real situations that people get into, uh, and they're not easy to navigate. And I don't want to pretend to tell somebody which way they should go because there are just too many uh, details and circumstances that can come up, right? Just too many. Um, for example, if, if you uh, have, or you or one of your loved ones have uh, very, uh, are, are sick in some way and need the health insurance uh, that your job provides, for example, uh, and where you lose that job, you'd lose your health insurance, and therefore you would not be able to take care of your loved one. Uh, and you know that—that's a very real thing, right? It's not—it's not theoretical, it's not hypothetical, uh, and and it's certainly not uh, an easy decision for anybody to make. And so I don't pretend to tell uh, people the way. Uh, how, how they should decide uh, excuse me in those situations um, certainly not 
Um, that is a very personal uh, decision, uh, and and I think those of us who don't have to make the decision really have have no better option than, than to just have grace and patience, uh, and um, and to support those who are in that situation. One thing that I think it does do for you, though, uh, one, one of the benefits of being in a situation like that is it helps you to clarify your own values, right? The, these situations that come up offer a microscopic look into your own values and, and your principles and what you believe in and what, what you hold most dear, right? What is most important to you? Uh, for example, is your family uh, more important to you than your integrity? Or is your integrity more important than your family? Right? It's just not a great position to be in. There is no good answer. Uh, and, and this is life, unfortunately. I think you know, the older I get, the more I realize that, that life is not so black and white. That there are all kinds of complexities and nuances and perspectives uh, that um, guide people into making all kinds of decisions that I don't agree with but because I don't see their perspective I really don't have the right uh, to judge them as harshly as I have in the past right um, it doesn't mean that all the decisions we make are the best decisions what it means is Deciding is a messy business sometimes, and um, the best thing we can do is to be of service wherever we can for people stuck in such impossible conundrums. Um, so, yeah, a uh, friend of mine this morning, I, I, I thought maybe he's kind of stuck in something like that, and... Uh, just wanted to see how he was doing um, in that. You know, one of the big ones um, that, wow, person, you are totally lost. One of the big ones, uh, I think, where we get stuck between a rock and a hard place uh, is uh, with our nationality and our faith, right? When our nationality and our faith uh, what, is it, what is the phrase? Come at odds, right? When they, when they, when they come up against one another, when they um, seem to be uh, heading in opposite directions, right? Uh, which one? Which one do you? Uh, which one do you follow? You know, in in that situation, to me, I think it's an obvious choice. And I'll just say it in, you know, in the spirit of honesty that I think, of course, your faith is, is much more important than your nationality. Uh, but I do acknowledge that it's not an easy thing to do. And part of the reason it's not an easy thing to do, one of the reasons may be because our nationalities have become uh, religions. Right, uh, our 
our, our patriotism, uh, our loyalty to our country has very much religious overtones. We have heroes, uh, we have um, scripture, um, we have uh, transcendent experiences, right? Um, we, we shed blood sometimes uh, for our country. Uh, we have our gods, right? We have our clergy. And it's, I mean, it's really, <laughs> if you want, I, I think of an alien who knew nothing about earth and its culture came here, I think they would be hard-pressed to find a difference between Christianity uh, and nationality. I think, I think they might consider them to be one and the same, and of course they have been one and the same, right? I think the way that uh, um, strict, I'm not sure if traditional is the right word, uh, Islamic countries are run uh, as theocracies. In other words, the, the government is the religion, the religion is the government, they're one and the same. Uh, the government expects all people to follow the tenets of a specific religion. Uh, and they are so intertwined uh, to the point where you can't tell them apart. And perhaps some, some religions have been created for that specific purpose, you know. Um, and certainly uh, some Islamic regimes, I'm thinking of Iran right now specifically, seem to be run in that way, right? That the, 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 um, the gurus of the country are also the political leaders, right? Uh, that does seem to be the case in some, in some countries. And of course, uh, there have been Christian countries who have been the same. Uh, I think of England, where the, the, the queen is both the sovereign of the nation, but also the head of the church, right? That, that's an interesting um, place where that seems to come together. And other, other um, European countries down through the ages. America, though, uh, from its founding, tried to separate church and state to some degree, um, which is interesting. Part of the reason, it, reason it's interesting is because these last uh, four or five years when Donald Trump came to office, we kind of saw... Uh, a albeit much less centralized religion which is evangelicalism really have a a starring role in the administration of Donald Trump and and Donald Trump depended greatly upon the voting base of those evangelicals to get into office um, and so it's, uh, there's a phenomenon there that, that happened recently where separation of church and state may have um, may have been violated, I guess the best way to say it. That if, if separation of church and, church and state is a law in the states, you might make some kind of a, uh, a, a point about how that was not the case with 
the Trump administration, but I don't, I don't think it would hold water. I think that it's just too hard of a thing to nail down, right? Uh, when you have a nation full of religious people, uh, of course, somehow, the religiously, um, I don't know how to say this best, things are going to get mixed up. I don't think there's any way around it. You're going to have some crossover. Um, especially when a lot of the principles that we live our lives by, we, we get from the religion that we follow, right? Um, the way that we think about crime and punishment, for example, which is a big part of, of, of how governments operate, um, <clears throat> of course, is influenced by uh, the religion that we follow. Um, and, you know, lots of other things, the, the style of, of leadership, um, the, the making of laws, right, the enforcing of laws, all of these things are influenced by the religions that we follow. Um, so, yeah, we can get stuck between a rock and a hard place, and you will sometime in your life. And it's, it's during those times, uh, I think, uh, that we really need to take a step back, take a breath, uh, and, and take stock of, of what we believe and why we believe it, uh, and then kind of allow um, things to take their course, right? Um, of course, from a point of, of information, uh, from reflection, from introspection, right? And hopefully we can get some good advice from friends or, or at least, you know, um, understanding and support from friends when we come into those situations. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I think what happened with me, the situation where that kind of happened with me, I think, was when I finally made the decision to walk away from institutional uh, religion, which was about eight years ago now. So 2013, toward the end, we finally, we finally cut ties, more or less, uh, with the church that we had been in for a long time and decided to do something simpler, something more organic, uh, something uh, home-based. Um, and the, the specific, I'm not sure if I could actually nail down the specific conundrum I was having. Um, but what, be, what, I guess, yeah, so what I was, what I was fighting against at that time was, of course, my views on ecclesiology or w what the church is and what the church could be. Uh, and, and so I was, I had been destructing, uh, deconstructing, not destructing, hopefully, deconstructing my ideas uh, of what church is for some time, nearly 10 years by that time. Uh, and I had come down to a 
at least in my case, right, I had come down to the point where the structure that church had become was getting in the way with the thing that I thought the church could be. And I had to walk away. And it was a painful thing. It was incredibly painful. Uh, I'm sure I hurt some feelings in the process. I'm sure I damaged some relationships in that process. Um, I, in retrospect, I think I did all I could, um, all I was capable of doing at the time, to minimize the damage, but I'm sure I did do damage, right? There was just no other way around it. Once you're stuck in one of those situations, something has to give, right? can't have your cake and eat it too all the time. In fact, I think that saying means you can't ever have your cake and eat it too, but anyway, I'll just stick with my statement. Uh, I came to such conflict in my life that I had to make a drastic decision. Now, other people come to that same conflict and they double down. They decide to, to stick with institutional church. And more power to them. I, I think if you come to the conflict and you stay, I think you can do as much good as as you could if you left, right? Um, the 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 question for me is not what decision do you make, but will you respect other people's decisions in the same situation, right? Can you can you come to uh, a place where you can accept somebody making a different understanding? A different decision than you would have made uh, and I think that's that's when you realize that that there is grace that is that is existent in your life that you're able to to give people grace when they make decisions that uh, you would not have made um, and love them nonetheless um, but yeah what what instances have you found you know where oh, that's that's a weird way to say that have you have you had situations in where in your life where you have been between a rock and a hard place uh, where you have had to make an impossible decision and not making a decision was not possible right? I suppose there could be times when when you could um, navigate possibly down a third road, right? Uh, and I think that's probably more, more than likely the case in most instances, right? How, how can you, uh, how can you stay true to both principles at the same time, right? Uh, now, I believe it's not always possible. I would say there are times when you have to and you have to make a hard decision. You can't ride that middle line. And I'm kind of a kind of an expert on riding that middle line. I've done that a lot in my life. I don't know if it's my personality or, or what. I've, I've tried to be a, a peacekeeper, at least a at least a peacekeeper. I'd like to think of myself as a peacemaker, but at least a peacekeeper. That's always been the kind of person I've tried to be, which means looking at both sides of, of people's issues and trying to help them navigate to a place that 
you know, is win-win for everybody. And that's kind of the dream, isn't it? To have a win-win situation. And, you know, my faith has taken me to a place where I believe everybody is going to be in a win-win situation at some point. But there are times where you're going to have to lose a battle, right? You're going to have to... A battle has to be lost uh, in order for us to go forward. Uh, and a battle has to be won, right? And unfortunately, a battle has to take place. Um, that just seems to be the... the a fact of life, right? Uh, a characteristic of living in this broken world uh, that I believe will be repaired one day, just to say that. Uh, but it does seem to be broken now in many ways. And we, we struggle uh, to see clearly what's actually going on, <laughs> uh, right, in the world, so that we can make uh, educated decisions um, and then we struggle to make those decisions right we our, our vision is is short-sighted um, we can't see the whole picture all the time and yeah but the you know the other part about this is is it possible to change your mind can you start going down one road and then are you are you alert enough and humble enough to say nope that was wrong uh, that's not working I'm gonna have to go down this other road after all you know I suppose that's another possibility and maybe you know maybe you get to the point where you can't make the decision that you cannot see an advantage one way or the other but but you have to and so you just make a decision and rely on grace to see you through um, And then hopefully your faith kicks in and, and helps you realize that even if that turns out to be a catastrophic decision, uh, that in the end, uh, you are not judged by your decisions, but you are judged by how much you are valued uh, by Jesus. And, and that value knows no limit. And therefore, um, it's all good, right? It's all good. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to get through this together. We'll go through the thick of it, through the thin of it. And uh, we'll come out on the other side. Uh, I know it doesn't always seem that way. It doesn't seem like that's the case. You know, the more I look at Jesus' life and, and his ministry, the more I think on the way that he was in the world, the more I realize that he was always sending signals. And he kind of had to do it in code. You know, he kind of had to, to do it under the radar because people were not ready to accept what he, was, what he was preaching. They were not ready to accept that forgiveness is universal. Right? That you, forgiveness is universally available to all. People were just not ready to accept that. Uh, there were too many bad people in the world and, and they considered themselves good. And so, you know, what is what kind of world doesn't have punishment? Right? How, how can we even live in that world? And, you know, they have a point. Uh, 
to some extent. I think everybody kind of gets that. But I think Jesus, you know, all along in in talking about, you know, the Good Samaritan, uh, the uh, prodigal son, or especially the prodigal son, um, the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, uh, all of the all of the the sick people who were. Uh, considered to be cursed by God because of their sin, and that's why they were sick, right? Uh, all of the people that he embraced and brought near, um, he was constantly sending signals that, hey, it's all good, right? You don't have to worry about being judged by every single decision you make by me. Sure, there will be consequences for your decisions, in this life, you're going to face struggles and you may have to own up to what you've done, right? That's, that's just part of living in the world. But it doesn't change my love for you, right? Jesus says, it doesn't change, uh, it doesn't change your place in my, in my home or in my heart. I don't judge you by what you do. I judge you by my value for you, and my value is unlimited, right? It knows no bounds. It's the idea of unconditional love. Something uh, my friend Scott brought up in a post a while back on his Facebook page was that he's learned a lot about unconditional love from his dog. He said that dogs seem to love unconditionally and that a huge turning point in him was was observing this unconditional love in his dog uh, and I think that's profound I think it's astounding actually because I see that in my dog as well you know uh, you can you can be upset at your dog for doing something and and maybe even be a little cruel to your dog and, and uh, you know, maybe uh, be bothered by your dog. It's not going to stop him from coming and plopping his head on your lap when he gets the chance. Every chance he gets. Right? Doesn't change that. And if he feels you having a bad day, right, he gets it. But it doesn't change the way he feels about you. Um, I'm not saying that there's no limits to that. I think there are dogs that have been traumatized and mistreated to the point where they find it hard to trust anyone. In fact, I've got a dog like that that we that's a rescue dog that seems to be skittish of everybody. It takes him a long time before he trusts anybody. A long time. Whereas my other dog, which is a lab, uh, yeah, he, he trusts a guy with a gun coming into our house with a mask. I mean, he's just, that's just who he is. He, he loves everybody. Um, it's not a perfect metaphor, but I, I see his point, right? Um, that's just one more place that Christ has put the message or the, uh, example of unconditional love in the world, right? Um, 
So, yeah, I thought that was a really, really neat point that, that Scott made in his post, uh, what he learned about unconditional love from his dog. Um, that's amazing. Uh, that's That kind of blew me away this morning. Um, dogs are kind of like boomerangs. You may try to get them away from you, but they'll keep circling back. They keep coming back. They love you no matter what, right? Why can't we be like dogs? Hmm. Anyway, I'm glad dogs are like that. That's why we love dogs, that's why we keep them. Yeah. I think that's true. Well, yeah, so it was kind of a side note, I guess, but you know, when you when you find yourself between a rock and a hard place, uh, I think you'll find yourself in a situation that is going to help you grow uh, and mature as a person, as a human being, as a citizen of the world, um, and I think that'll be good for everybody. So you might as well embrace it, I suppose. You might as well embrace that, that situation. Because they're going to come. Uh, question is, can you prepare for those situations? Uh, and maybe, maybe the pre preparation just uh, starts with you uh, admitting uh, that it's going to happen. It's going to come. Right? Uh, hard, hard days are going to come. And uh, that you will do your best. That you will do your best to navigate through it and and uh, and and find solutions. And then perhaps we just need to be like a dog through it for ourselves and for other people who are going through these hard situ situations, and just just circle back and love people anyway. No matter what decisions they make, good or bad, in your eyes, uh, love them, love them anyway, and love yourself. Uh, I don't often say that. I'm not a fan of the self-love movement. I think it's gone way too far in many instances. Uh, but in this kind of situation, I kind of see the point, uh, and that is, you know, don't don't be super hard on yourself because you have to make it an impossible decision, right? Give yourself a little benefit of the doubt. And you'll get through it. Alright, thanks for listening, guys. I'm out. Bye-bye.